episode on our favorite topic of sex. And today, Allie and I are joined by my friend Day. Hi, Day. Hi, everyone. And (laughs) so Day and I met like uh, over 10 years ago when I was on uh, winter break and I was had just got my wisdom teeth out and I was on a lot of oxycodone (laughs) and we were at a mutual friend's house and um yeah apparently you remember something about us petting cats I don't really know if I remember that obviously I was on a lot of drugs so I apologize for how weird I may have been that evening everyone has a good wisdom story wisdom tooth story (laughs) I think I especially like this one because um, back then, I think it, it was at one of our mutual friends' houses, and um, they were playing like something like Nintendo or something, and we were just petting the cats. So it just, I think it just speaks to how similar we are <laughs> personality wise. Yeah, and I think that's honestly the reason we, part of the reason we stayed in touch was like, well, I don't know, back then you would just add everyone on like Facebook or whatever, but I remember like, that evening you had annoyed me because I made some sort of con about like how I I think I had just decided like a week ago that I was going to go to med school and you were like oh everybody goes wants to go to med school but like no one gets into med school and I was like that bitch but anyways I mean you had a very valid point but uh then I think a few years later I saw your post about like your cat or something like that and then I was like well this girl loves her cat so she has to be great and over time our friendship has evolved although mostly staying connected on social media I have become quite aware that you are a sexpert sort of which is why you're on the podcast today uh yes it's definitely an area of um I don't want to say expertise but extreme interest for me and I think that as a fan of the podcast, I listened to the past episodes, and yeah, I'm just super excited to be on and happy to talk about the topics we have planned, so really excited. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, some of the topics have that we're going to discuss today have been mentioned sort of more casually uh, in the past episodes. I feel like the past episodes were more like... Um, from like a sex stuff from like a psychological perspective or maybe a more of a scientific or a biological perspective and today the intent is to you know still obviously see discuss things through that framework but also just like uh, a lot of topics that are very real and affect people are on a sort of a day-to-day basis um so we're going to see what you think about these topics, and then we can also share what we think. Um, sure. Yeah, I'd love to weigh in. I, I'm just going to backtrack just a tiny bit and talk about my connection to the adult industry before we get into everything a little bit. Yes. Um, so I've been, I've been in some way, form, or another uh, involved in the adult industry <clears throat> for the better part of the last few years. I want to say like, maybe at least half a decade. And um, the way that really got started was um, like living in Las Vegas. It's, it's pretty easy to kind of get really involved in those sorts of things. But I worked for an organization that provided resources to members of the adult industry. 
So um, performers that would need health services like blood tests or um, help setting up auditions with other performing companies, um, people who needed refuge from abusive relationships or drug rehabilitation, et cetera. Um, that organization, I represented that organization at uh, the AVN convention every year in Las Vegas, which I'm sure you heard of. It's a massive um, video network convention. But since that organization has liquefied, um, our founder passed away. But there is another organization I know that's actually run by my friends Phil and Joy called the Cupcake Girls. So if you are interested in um, donating to an organization that supports uh, sex workers and their livelihood and helping getting them the resources they need, because obviously it's not um, a legal uh, occupation as recognized in many states um, and areas, uh, the cupcakegirls.org is where you can visit their website and get involved um, and donate, or uh, they are at cupcakegirls.org on social media. So you can find them on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else they might be. Um, other than that, I've worked a lot of convention circuits, like I mentioned, AVN, but I've also worked uh, the Exotica circuit with a small company that made uh, floggers and whips and other sorts of impact toys. So they were very bespoke creations made of leather and wood. The guy was amazing. Um, I've helped teach classes on impact play. I was a member of an active rope group um, in Las Vegas. And I've had other odd jobs in the industry, like reviewing a sex toy here and there, which we will definitely be talking about later. So <laughs> I just wanted to kind of sum up um, where my input would be coming from. Just lots of exposure uh, to the adult industry. A lot of my friends are performers and sex workers. Um, and obviously, I'm a very sex positive person. So yeah, I'm, I'm super happy to weigh in on anything here. So yeah, take it away. <laughs> Yay. And we are excited to have you. Um, because while you may not consider yourself a sex expert, uh, you definitely have more of a connection to the sex industry than I mean, pro realistically, probably anyone who's going to listen to this podcast. And that's really what makes someone an expert, right? If they're if they have more knowledge and more of a connection some, to something than like the average person. So that being said, we have a lot of like hot topics we want to hit on today, um, and a lot of these topics are things that people who listen to the podcast have requested that we hit on because they wanted a discussion about these topics and sort of to hear like you know. Um, multiple perspectives to sort of, I guess, probably help them formulate a little more about what they can think about these topics. So that being said, I know I have already shared some of my thoughts on polyamory in the past couple episodes, but I was wondering, you know, with your background, your experiences, what is your thoughts on polyamory? So you may not actually know this about me, but I am a polyamorous person. Um, I... I loved listening to you guys talk about polyamory and polygamy. And I liked that you touched on the fact that, you know, polygamy in a lot of cases may not often be consensual, but I think um, a big thing about polyamory is that it really depends on the person um, and how they form their attachments, which you did touch on before. Um, when you touched on polyamory in previous episodes, 
I think there was a comment made that um, it's typically a way for people who are not capable of appropriate romantic attachments. Um, it's, it's them finding a way to make some like things sexual for them. Um, but I, I thought when I heard that, that it was a very surface level assessment um, because oftentimes a lot of people who are in polyamorous relationships, they do form like very secure emotional attachments with the people they're with. I speaking from personal experience, I know with my own upbringing um, of having a, you know, a physically and emotionally abusive mother who suffered and still suffers from borderline personality disorder. I know that I tend to cycle through attachment styles when I'm in monogamous relationships, um, which can go, you know, from secure to anxious to avoidant, back to secure to anxious avoidant. And mm -hmm. I find that um, it's, it, it definitely, I know it has a lot to do with my upbringing. Um, you know, when you talked about how a parent would be, you know, more detached from providing care or a nurturing environment for their child, then people tend to cope in different ways. But I've found that I tend to stabilize and form more secure attachments the more partners that I have. Um, and I think for me, the reason why that happens is because I feel more secure knowing that there's multiple people who won't abandon me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, monogamy is, it, it's different for everyone, right? Polyamory can work in some, mm -hmm. some cases. Monogamy can work in some cases. Um, I, I am a person that has had success forming secure attachments with multiple people at the same time instead of just secure monogamous attachments and having those relationships one after another. Um, yeah. And I, I just speak from experience. I obviously can't speak for any other polyamorous person, but obviously there mm -hmm. are you know, polycules that exist, which is basically like a small, you know, community of people who all are in a relationship with each other um, and practice, you know, ethical non-monogamy or, you know, open relationships, however. Um, but yeah, I, I, there, there's so much to touch on about polyamory um, in like how to make it successful and how to not make it successful. And um, something that we kind of touched on before we started recording was the jealousy aspect of things, which yeah, it's a difficult um, hurdle to overcome when you're talking about forming relationships outside of maybe like a primary partner or just the relationship that you're in. Um, and there's there's obviously different styles to polyamory, there's hierarchical polyamory where you maybe have a primary partner and you have, I like to call them peripheral partners, um, but those partners aren't necessarily involved in your primary relationship, but everyone's aware of each other. Um, and then there's relationships where everyone's dating everyone. And it's, yeah, so there's, it's very complex. Um, and jealousy is a big thing. And it's, it's, all about communication and honesty and setting proper expectations and really knowing yourself. And I think that anyone who is exploring polyamory or interested in the concept, 
um, needs to understand that it's not something that you can just jump into. Um, it's not something where you can say to your, you know, established relationship that you've been in for years and years and years or, or whatever, um, and say, look, let's open things up and just start dating other people because it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, that never seems to work. It, it never works. And I know um, that you've had thoughts on your some of your friends that have, you know, opened up their relationships to try and solve relationship problems that they have. And that is just not, <laughs> not what polyamory is for. Um, so I think... There, there are subreddits about it. There are so many resources online. Um, there are polyamory and, you know, ethical, non-monogamy, positive therapists that you can speak to. Um, there's a lot of research happening on the subject, um, especially in the millennial generation, obviously, because it's a bigger topic now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say if anyone's interested, know that it's not happening tomorrow and it may not even happen six months from now. It is, it is a lifelong discovery journey that you will be on because um, you never know what's going to trigger something that's not okay with you. So you'll be constantly learning and relearning and reestablishing boundaries with the people you date um, just to maintain secure attachments with them. Yeah. Well, I really like what you said because it shows your insight. You said for you personally, you feel more secure when you have multiple relationships because it's like with the, if you were just in a relationship with one person, if you leave them, that's it. You don't have anyone else. But if you're in multiple relationships, that fear isn't that intense. I think it really just comes down to like insight and, you know, something being the right decision for you based upon like how you are as a person instead of like trying to fix your life. And that's sort of like what you made clear in what you said. Oh yeah. You definitely have to know yourself. Um, speaking from personal experience, uh, I've had a family member and their um, long-term monogamous partner attempt recently to jump into uh, polyamory and it just led to a breakdown of the relationship. Like, like over the course of months, you know, a, a multiple year long relationship is now nothing, which to me is very sad. Um, and I wish they had spoken to me about it, but obviously um, they weren't comfortable sharing that part of their relationship with me. Um, but yeah, it's just don't let it happen to you. If you're curious, just make sure that you know yourself and you're prepared to go down that road. Um, I would suggest if you are, uh, you know, a monogamous couple looking to open things up, maybe even partnering with a couple therapist just to, you know, work through communication to make sure that you two are so solid in your foundation that introducing someone else won't upset the balance. Yeah, I think that is great advice and makes a lot of sense. And also, that would help both people really delve into the actual reasons they're doing it. And is this something that, like, you know, sort of is the right fit for who they are as a person, like, underneath it all? Or once again, are they just looking for a solution to some type of issue and this isn't really, like, who they are as an individual? Exactly. I think, I mean, therapy has worked wonders for me. I personally believe that um, almost everyone can benefit from therapy. I understand it's not an outlet that 
everyone can go through. But even if you're in a relationship and you are looking to take things like independent therapy or individual therapy and couples therapy is definitely something to consider before ever going down a path like this. Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, support that, obviously. I'm <laughs> a huge proponent of therapy and also a huge proponent of, you know, people really making sure that they know why they're making big decisions in their life, especially when it could be such a monumental, like, lifestyle change, too. So polyamory is definitely, like, a hot, hot topic, but something that has been... I guess more mainstream for a long time is the idea of threesomes. Now, threesomes outside of a relationship, I would say, is probably the more common. But I think a lot of people have questions or like wonder about threesomes within a relationship. And I think uh, while a lot of people who might not identify as like polyamorous, because that's obviously you know multiple relationships a threesome is just like a sexual experience and there are a lot of couples who you know identify as monogamous don't have open relationships and generally are just like partners together but they might have curiosity about having a threesome and like you know if that's a good decision or not and um obviously there are a lot of concerns that come up when people think about these things and sort of weigh out the value of it being perhaps a positive sexual experience versus like, would this have a negative impact on my relationship? Um, So I was wondering if you have any thoughts on, you know, threesomes within relationships. So what you're actually describing is the unicorn concept, which I'm sure (laughs) most of the listeners that you have, if they have ever been on Tinder, understand what a unicorn is based on the couple's (laughs) profiles on there seeking a unicorn, (laughs) which um, I personally hate the term, but yeah, whatever. Why is it called unicorn? I think it's called a unicorn because, because, well, the way Anna just described it is you're looking for someone to phase in and phase out of your relationship without, you know, um, threatening the dynamic or either partner's commitment to each other um, and just join it sexually and then fade into the mist, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) like this mythical person that will just have Uh. this no strings attached sex with two strangers um, and then disappear forever if it's sad um, or or good, whatever. Um, Yeah, I I think that's probably the reason why it's called a unicorn. But um, yeah, I, I think I think sexual exploration is obviously I'm a big promoter of it. Um, the unicorn concept, I think, especially for the people searching on Tinder, it's a very unrealistic environment to find someone in. Um, yeah, I agree. Because I I don't know if anyone if any of you have ever been on Tinder, but it is you're batting one out of like a million on there. It's, <laughs> it is, um, <clears throat> it is a, it is a difficult, <laughs> difficult platform to deal with. Um, especially as a, you know, a femme presenting individual or a woman or however you identify, um, with a lot of, you know, cis masculine, um, very driven men on there, um, or individuals rather. Um, and usually often those unicorn 
you know, seeking couples, that profile is usually run by the man um, in those heterosexual relationships, which is also just, it's very difficult for, and intimidating for some people. Um, but I think that when we talk about how um, threesomes as a sexual exploration, like a sexual exploit, uh, versus polyamory, I think they can overlap slightly. Um, you can have a threesome, you know, you can have a, a foundation in your relationship, your your relationship with one other person, and then have someone that you have threesomes with periodically, like occasionally from time to time. And it's someone that repeat repeatedly like enters into your relationship sexually and then leaves. And I think there's, you know, room for that relationship to either develop into something where that unicorn then becomes a foundational aspect of the relationship as well. Um, and then they're no longer a unicorn, but yeah, the un like just threesomes for a sexual exploit would just be someone who has no emotional connection with the couple, the, the main unit, um, and then just enters mm -hmm. and exits in a transactional <laughs> sex type of, <laughs> situation so you know do you think that for a lot of people I'm gonna say for most people this is probably really a, a difficult thing to well like a lot of things like polyamory too like most of these things I would say um are difficult for most people but there are some people that they're right for and if someone was listening to this and they were thinking, like, how do I know if this is something that would be right for my relationship? Like, what types of things should they think about either when uh, thinking about being open to that? And then is there anything that they should do to ensure that this is a, like a positive experience for both people in the relationship um, and ends up just being positive overall instead of like causing damage or anything like that? I think it's having realistic expectations, right? Like I, um, I think there's just this stereotype of like uh, a male, female, female threesome where this man has these, you know, two bisexual women who are just paying attention to him and then paying attention yep. to each other. And I think that's just a really unrealistic expectation especially if you're in a relationship and you're trying to invite someone in for a sexual encounter um something that you definitely want to focus on or consider prior to engaging in that type of interaction is your power dynamic with your partner um is are one of you dominant are one of you submissive are you switches um how do you want to interact with the third person um where, how do you want to split your attention? Uh, how, how much attention do you want to give to this third person? Or does, you know, one person in the relationship want to watch and one person want to interact with the third person, person like a cuckold type situation? So I think before heading in, you really have to consider what you want to get out of it, what your realistic expectations are, what the consequences might be, what the hindrances might be to having a successful threesome. Um, and then obviously communication, setting proper boundaries. Like you don't want it to be where the two monogamous people might already have a rocky 
relationship and then it ends up that one of them, you know, leaves that person for the unicorn um, or whoever they invite into their relationship. So I think there's a lot of different factors you need to consider as with entering any type of relationship. You really need to know yourself and your partner and you really need to communicate with them what your concerns and your needs are throughout that situation. Mm -hmm. And obviously in the interaction, check for consent. Is everyone comfortable? Is everyone having fun? Um, Do you want to take a break? (laughs) Do you want to come back to this later? I think um, we, we live in this weird society where it's taboo to explicitly talk about our sexual wants and desires and comfort and discomfort. And, you know, when you're raised to practice abstinence only or all of these other things, there are questions that go unanswered that people feel uncomfortable asking because they don't know who to ask. They don't know when to ask them. They don't know if they're, they're actually asking the right questions. So I think, um, making sure that you write down all your questions and know the pros and cons and all of that prior to jumping into that situation, definitely for the best. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I think that, you know, the single friends, like my single friends that I talk to, I think in the times of COVID, one of the many changes has been getting comfortable asking what other people are comfortable with. And this can be anything from, hey, I want to have a couple of people over, but I don't want people to be uncomfortable to, you know, when you're on a date, what, what, you know, it it almost, it may end up becoming second nature to kind of be aware of other people's comfort levels. And I think that may be one of the very few positive things that come out of COVID. But I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, in terms of consent and things like that, if we'll see more of that, hopefully. I'm certainly hopeful. Um, Yeah, like, obviously, there are so many things that come up in the media where, um, you know, uh, clear consent wasn't given or or someone mistook implied consent or someone forced someone else to give them consent. And then you have these situations where, um, you know, it's rape instead of actual consensual, enjoyable sex with someone else. Um, And I think most women have experienced something like that. Um, And yeah, I'm hoping COVID a a side effect or a, or a result of COVID is that people are more communicative because Mm -hmm. it's all we have. Now we have to chat through these platforms endlessly before it's safe to meet each other. Um, And then when you do meet each other, you're in a distanced fashion in masks and then, you know, when you do want to take that leap to not being in masks anymore, you kind of have to commit to that other person. Like you're not going to really be meeting multiple people and putting people at risk if you're responsible, obviously. Um, I'm not telling people what to do in any way, shape or form. If you want to go out and have, you know, sex with multiple people from Tinder or Grindr or what have you, absolutely go do it. Um, Be safe, get tested, you know, all these other things. Um, But I think for people who are looking for monogamous relationships or even threesomes, um, typically those that relationship that's looking for a third person, they're probably not going to try to meet up with 10 different people. They're going to try and find one consistent person who will satisfy the sexual needs of their relationship. Right. And they're already 
so rare to come by. That's why they're called unicorns. <laughs> exactly. And the endless <laughs> amount of talking you have to do. I mean, as, as someone who was once single on Tinder and would have definitely loved to be a unicorn for someone, um, be, uh, it's just abysmal. <laughs> endless conversations <laughs> that you just realize, you know what, I, I definitely am just not interested in this particular person who's in the relationship, but maybe more in the other person. And that yeah. doesn't, that doesn't really tick it over for someone mm-hmm. like me. Like I need to be compatible with both people, at least on an intellectual mm-hmm. level. Um, before I can even consider getting to like a sexual level with those people. And I think that's why it's more complicated too, right? Like, especially in, I mean, the Tinder day and age, like even if you're just an individual looking for one other individual, how hard is it to even find someone that like you'd even go on a date with, like, or have some very limited, you know, meet them in real life, forget date, whatever. But then to... You know, with if in this case, when it's like a couple to be into both people is just like levels beyond that. So, you know, I I don't know how many times uh, Tinder works out for that because it barely works out for like you know <laughs> finding a decent individual. I think that it would be really interesting to have someone you know do research based on Tinder in these types of scenarios and find out what's successful and what's not. Um, but I think that then you'd have to plant someone on Tinder and it'd be very misleading and catfishy. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely I something can... I'd love to see more research on. Yeah. The one thing that I think we all can probably guess here is that if it is, uh, you know, heterosexual couple seeking uh, outsider, it's most likely going to be more successful if the girl is leading the search because whoever they are like, you know, contemplating bringing in is probably going to feel more comfortable. Just, 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 I think it is what it is. But I think uh, a lot of people get apprehensive when it's like the guy, they're like, you know, is there even like a partner? Like, what am I getting myself into? And it can be more threatening that way. So. Oh yeah. And then obviously if you're stepping into any type of situation, like a sexually implied situation with strangers, like there's always just, for, for anyone, there's always danger implied there as well. So yeah. definitely don't just go to people's houses. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> nowhere is really safe. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count any situation as too out of the ordinary. As you can see, pretty much everything has happened to absolutely everyone. There's no example yeah. of it, you know, I, I just... Yeah, there's too many examples of it going horribly wrong. So don't don't just think that things are going to go right. Definitely approach every situation with caution. Um, and also for people in relationships, just remember that you have bias towards your partner. Not everyone is going to think your partner is as wonderful as you think they are. <laughs> so, oh my god, that so, is yeah. true. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, like you said, the important things here are, well, the important thing about any of these things is like, right, effective communication, knowing yourself, having thought about why you're doing something and, you know, can never have too many conversations and it's too much of sort of examining yourself and why you're contemplating doing something. But that being said, the next thing I want to hit on that 
someone brought up was, you know, when you're with a partner and things are going well, um, but you might find out that perhaps you're sexually incompatible in ways or even like you have some sort of kink you're into and like you don't know what you do if your if your partner isn't into it because it's pretty big to you and when someone had brought this up as something they wanted us to discuss I was like well like you know what do you define as a kink because in 2021 if you tell me like you know your kink is quote like light BDSM I'm not gonna even count that as a kink because I think it's so some of these things are so normal now that it would be more abnormal that you wouldn't maybe the person that you're with isn't into it but a lot of these things someone will at least oblige you know but then so I was like like things that I would consider like actual kinks in 2021 would be like when um urination is involved in sex play and this individual is actually like, yeah, actually, that's something I'm into. And then the other thing that they mentioned was like, as sort of like, I guess, more out there kink and maybe not something that's pretty mainstream in this day and age was they also mentioned like, um, receiving oral sex while they were on their period and things like that. So, you know, maybe not everyone has some sort of extreme kink or whatever that might come up as something that they're, you know, uh, worried about selecting to stay in a relationship with someone because the other individual might not be into it. But I think that in general, like, sexual incompatibility is a huge thing that plays out for people, like, quite frequently. Like, there are plenty of times that, you know, someone might think they're into someone else and then, um, you know, perhaps they're sexual chemistry or they're sexual they're sexually incompatible in some way so I was wondering if you had you know thoughts about um how important these things are and when when should it be something where someone is like okay this person is not the right fit for me versus like um well you know it might really actually be difficult to find someone that I get along in all these other ways as well as they're also into this particular kink of mine or whatever I think, um, oh, that is just a loaded question. Um, yeah, because you can become really emotionally attached to someone, right? But the sex just is not there. Um, I think a lot of stuff comes down to whether someone's listening to you or not. You know, if, if you're in a relationship with someone and, you know, you, you've had, you know, normal, I I don't even want to use the word normal. You have, let's say you've been having very vanilla, like basic sex, your, your entire like three to six month relationship. And you're like, look, I'd like to try something a bit more aggressive. Like I'd like to try something a bit more dominant. And that person's just not an aggressive person. Um, this would actually, it could be that you really enjoy the vanilla sex you have, but if you want something more, this could actually be where polyamory can be beneficial. Um, if your relationship is capable of that type of dynamic, um, you know, emotionally or whatever, uh, and you're able to say, look, I have needs, you meet half of them. 
I need to find someone who can meet the other half of them. I think that's a really like mature standpoint to understand yourself if you want to explore that path. Otherwise, obviously, if you can, if you just want to go down the monogamy path um, and you've communicated your wants and needs or there are communication barriers um, or even if there's like pressure from a partner to do something you don't want to do um, or refusal from them to do something you do want to do, I think it's it's something you really need to look into um, the benefits that you're getting out of that relationship personally, like what's actually enriching your life if, or, or, you know, can you live in this relationship having unsatisfying sex forever? Some people can, some people do, um, you know, like I think you talked about uh, an, on another episode where in, you know, monogamous relationships and marriages, you know, the sex tends to, the amount tends to drop significantly, which is normal of a lot of monogamous relationships. And, you know, when your partner's going through something like anxiety, you said that women tend to have less sex when they're anxious or stressed, which I know I suffer from significantly. If I'm going through like a really stressful period, I'm like almost zero libido. I don't want to be touched, like maybe a snuggle, which as you've stated before, can be platonic. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> not romantic at all. Um, or it can be romantic, I guess. But um, yeah, I think I think for me, it's a, it's a really great example of why having multiple partners consensually is a great outlet for exploration, especially of those kinks. Um, and I think when you're in a monogamous relationship, if your kinks really are outlandish, then, and the other person is truly, truly into you and wants to satisfy you, then they will try. They will try as hard as they can to do what they can to satisfy you, or at least you know, maybe compromise and meet you somewhere in the middle. Like, you know, maybe they don't want to whip you, but maybe spanking is a great compromise for the two of you. Or, or you know, maybe they're like, maybe it's someone who's not big enough or something, you know, like maybe there's anatomy, you know, things that aren't compatible, which is definitely a thing. You could, there are sleeves you can buy for a male member or strap-ons. There are sexual aids, like toys. There are so many different ways you can compromise in those types of situations that I think that if you are truly sexual, sexually incompatible and you haven't explored any of those other things, then you're likely to be dissatisfied in the long run in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think it is about like, you know, uh, if a relationship is good and healthy, even if uh, the thing that one partner is very into isn't what the other partner would naturally be inclined to try, I think that they they would try, you know? It might take a while for them to warm up to the idea or be comfortable or talk about like, okay, well, you want me to whip you? Like, how do I even do this? Like, what do I do? How do I act or whatever? But, you know, like you said, it might start with something like spanking but I do think you're you're right in that if if every if like your quote vanilla sex or your basic sexual relationship that you have is good and both people really care about each other and everything else is good I think there would be you know some trying and it might result in compromise but uh, that it could end up being somewhat fulfilling for both partners and obviously there's situations um where this can be like totally wrong like you know, um, 
the big one that I can think of in the media that's happened actually recently is uh, Army Hammer. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. followed that mm, entire yes. <laughs> situation. Um, a lot of people took up issue, you know, with his kinks or kink shamed him for having a cannibalism fetish, which realistically is not the issue there. Um, there are a bunch of kink subcultures that deal with cannibalism in creative and fun and satisfying ways without actually literally ingesting another person's flesh. Um, <laughs> you know, people dress up as turkeys and baste each other. Like, there's the, the, the limitations do not exist. <laughs> but I think the thing that people kind of missed with the Army, Hammy, Army Hammer fiasco and what more people should have been concerned about was the clear violation of consent. Not necessarily what his alleged yes. kinks were, but a lot of the women who came forward talked about their discomfort and how they felt pressured to do something they normally wouldn't do. And even in one of his interviews with Playboy, he made a comment about how he was never really able to be a dominant lover after he married his wife because he respected her too much, which not only says that they're not healthy kinks, but because kinks and BDSM are all about communication and mutual respect. So yes. not only did he want to objectify these women, but he didn't respect them enough to not abuse them or push their boundaries. He was missing the point completely. Exactly. Um, and I think that if your, if your kink can't be received by your partner, or if you feel like Army did, that he respected his partner too much to express, a kink that he had, so then he had to go, you know, cheat on her with other people. Um, and even those people were uncomfortable with what he was doing. Then I think that you're in the wrong relationship, absolutely in the wrong sexual relationship. Um, absolutely someone that could benefit from therapy. Uh, definitely something that you would want to work through and talk about with someone as to why you're feeling that way and why your kink is founded in disrespect rather than mutual enjoyment of satisfying one or two people. Yeah, because that definitely, you know, and same for me, by the way, when I when I read about the Army Hammer situation, I wasn't as concerned about his actual kinks, because like you, I understand that there are, you know, safe, respectful ways to engage in almost anything. It was like the fact that these women felt like they had been, you know, raped, that they, that there was, you know, these sexual encounters, they hadn't ag agreed or consented to everything that was going on. And yeah, it was really concerning when he was, you know, speaking about how he respected his wife to too much to do this to her because, um, you know, while it's okay to have rape fantasies, if you're gonna play out those things, it shouldn't actually be rape, it should be playing at something, not actually, you know, doing something that you know, is assaulting another human being. Or grooming them. A lot of the girls felt like they were groomed into the position where they had to say yes to him, which no one should ever feel like they have to say yes to anything. Um, if you're not comfortable with your partner's kinks, make that very clear. Find a compromise. Or, you know, don't be upset if that person wants to watch porn where that kink, you know, is played out. You know, you can't yeah. You can't change someone's what they're into. You can't change. No one just turns yeah. that off like a switch. So if you're not willing to satisfy someone's kink, at least be willing to accept the fact that they need to satisfy it in another way. 
Um, whether that involves you, whether that involves the visual aid, like pornography, um, you know, I think that as long as you're open to the idea that you can't satisfy that need and you're not insulted by the fact that you can't satisfy that need, then I think that's a really mature talking point for you to be able to help your partner satisfy and meet those needs for themselves and allow them to have that outlet somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And playing off of this is sort of like, I think there's the question that a lot of individuals have about like the line between something be like sexually being uh, like beneficial for them versus like harmful. And I know this is sort of playing off what we just talked about, but if you have any thoughts on sort of where is the line for that and what people can sort of use to figure out if it if this is something that's, uh, you know, posing benefit in their life versus harming them. I think um, when you, we, you've kind of talked about it in some of your other episodes, um, you know, with borderlines when they, they have sex as part of their like risky behavior um, or a coping mechanism. It's definitely dangerous because it's, it's not something where you might be practicing safe sex. Um, you, you know, you might be having sex with random people um, to avoid, you know, whatever you're dealing with. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's not where sex is really beneficial to a person um, as an avoidance or a coping mechanism rather than, you know, something pleasurable, something that you can enjoy and share with someone else. Um, per- personally, I'm not speaking for any of the listeners or anyone out there. I'm not a person who gets satisfaction out of one night stands. They, they do nothing for me. Um, I feel like I'm a person that needs to have some form of emotional connection established with the person that I want to sleep with. Um, which, you know, as long as you know yourself and you know, that's something that you want, then I'd say that that's when sex is beneficial. Um, and then obviously, talking about things like rape or communicatory disconnects um, between two people where maybe one person, you know, is suffering from anxiety and is not currently feeling very sexually inclined or aroused or any of those things for long periods of time. And then maybe their partner ignoring that from them. Um, And rather than, you know, accepting and trying to support them and love them through that, uh, you know, kind of taking it out on them, being like pressured into sex in that way and feeling like you're obligated to it because they're your partner. Um, I think that is a communicatory disconnect as well as an emotional disconnect between two people. And then it's just, it's just harmful for everyone. You don't, you don't find satisfaction out of that type of sex either. I feel like um, as a person who's definitely partaken in that type of sex before, I got no gratification out of it. Um, and Mm -hmm. I'm certain the other person could tell that I did not enjoy it at all. And that probably weighed on them. (laughs) So I think that, um, if you're using, if you're using it as a method of control or a method of coping or a method of just escapism, it's definitely not beneficial. But if you're in it to enjoy it and in it to, um, you know, pleasure someone else. You know, if it's not 1,000% selfish, I think that's also really beneficial. I mean, it could be Mm -hmm. 1,000% selfish. Like, absolutely, (laughs) fucking do it. (laughs) 
but but yeah, I think um, there's there's multiple situations where it, it kind of just crosses the line from beneficial to non-beneficial anymore. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think a lot of the reason individuals may struggle between knowing if something sexual is like beneficial or harmful both on like a physical and emotional level is I do think that you know especially I know that as a society we are now a lot more open to sex in like 2021 versus like 20 years ago or whatever but a lot of like the millennial generation which all three of us here are members of you know when we were teenagers you didn't you didn't have as much opportunity for sex education and it was still much more taboo than it is today um, in like media, culture, whatever, society. So a lot of us had our sex education from porn and the porn industry has evolved a lot over that time, just like how society and culture has. But I think, you know, the message that was in the porn or like mainstream porn that a lot of us as teenagers that was our first exposure to like this is what sex is you know there's this whole a lot of pressure around um sort of how both sexes are presented in a typical like if this is a porn involving like a heterosexual couple like the male is expected to have like stamina uh I mean, obviously, like, they're supposed to be well-endowed and things like that. And then they are, there's pressure on them that they should always give the female an orgasm. And then for the, for the female sort of partner or whatever, the message that they get from porn is that, you know, every single thing should be pleasurable for them. They should be able to have an orgasm very easily um, from, like, whatever's being done. And so I think the way that both, you know, typical heterosexual partners have been presented in the porn industry that millennial teens uh, were exposed to, and this is how they learned about, like, quote, what sex is or whatever, uh, ended up having some very, like, sort of harmful stereotypes portrayed that made people have an expectation of what sex would be that's actually like very far from reality and might have even like harmed you know their like education and learning about like what sex is and what sexual relationships should be like and like their expectations and then everything that devolves from there I I think I I mean I completely agree I think it's it's really unfortunate that it just in general, like our generation, the generation after us, fortunately, has access to the Internet from birth until death, um, which we did not have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, porn that we had access to uh, was definitely misogynistic in nature. Right. Um, yes. Complete misrepresentation of what a vaginal orgasm is how it happens, um, what women <laughs> enjoy. louder, too. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So loud and happens Thank you. so often and so easily and just from, like, jackhammering, <laughs> like, yes. <I> don't, <laughs> just, like, very upsetting to witness, honestly. <laughs> um, which, I mean, some people are into the jackhammering, but, like, 
three seconds of jackhammering is not going to make anyone come. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just Agreed. don't. Under, I just don't understand why that was ever presented as like real a realistic expectation of sex. But well, then again, to be at that meeting where they were all talking, like just all these like old men with like cigars talking about like you know what porn is going to look like in the future. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think no women were porn- there. Porn has come a very long way. And yes, women are involved. There are women producers, women directors, um, you know, contract stars for all the big names. I'm not going to name any because I don't want us to get sued for mentioning anyone negatively. (laughs) Um, But I think there's an aspect there where we were younger. We got the Internet right when we were like I don't even know, eight, nine, ten, when things started to pick up, when we all separated from AOL accounts with our families um, (laughs) and got the internet access for ourselves individually and started watching porn, I think there was no one there to tell us that it was entertainment and not education. Yes. And the people who are in porn are the same type of people who are in movies. They're getting paid to do a job and their job is not educating you. Their job is entertaining you. And when we start to blur those lines, that's where these unrealistic expectations of sex come from. Because men think that, you know, staying hard for a full hour and a half scene is possible, which realistically for the average man who has sex less than a porn star... (laughs) (laughs) is probably not going to happen. It's it's a full-time job for those actors. They're paid to entertain. They're paid to stay hard. They're paid to practice. Um, You know, I think while maintaining an erection for that long, a lot of it is practice. Um, You can't chalk it all up to, like, you know, Viagra and Cialis. Um, or, and mm-hmm. whatever other sexual aids, but these are people who their livelihood is fucking for long periods of time. So they do yeah. get they do get a lot of practice. So the unrealistic expectation is that you will perform to the same level as an entertainer who does this as their livelihood, which is not real. I'm sorry to people with penises everywhere. It's just not going to happen for you. <laughs> well, well, they um, can practice though. <laughs> they can practice. You can practice. You know, you can do you can do tons of things. Um, if there are, you know, vagina havers or penis havers that want to have sex with you, have sex with them as much as you can or as much as they consent to, and you'll get your practice in. And good for you. I'm rooting for you. Um, but <laughs> another thing the viewer really has to consider is it's not just the practice and it's not just the Viagra, like these scenes are typically shot over a number of hours or a number of days. So a lot of it is editing. Um, you'll, you'll notice a fade out and then suddenly they're in another position. That's editing. Um, and these, these stars are definitely just, you know, they take lunch. Like it's an eight hour day, they go away. So it's, it's something where you have to just consider that it is another job. Um, it's a job that people get paid lots of money for, or, you know, whatever. And you have to consider that they're entertaining you and definitely not setting a standard for what your personal sex life is going to look like. Um, you know, in, in the, there's a bunch of different examples you can look at in porn, but like 
women being ready to go without foreplay. Women having an an orgasm, excuse me, without any type of stimulation or, you know, just one type of stimulation or or whatever. Um, Anal being as clean as it is. It's not often clean for people trying and as it at easy home for the first as time. it seems to be, right? It's like no one's ever in pain. No, clean, easy. You don't need lube. It's just saliva. Like she I'm was sorry, just yeah. for the pizza guy, for Christ's sake. <laughs> like nothing, nothing in real life goes that way. So please, everyone out there, erase what you thought was education recategorize it as entertainment because it is and it's just not something you can really take as you know holy word on how you should be having sex and what sex will look like for you while some of it may seem very similar it's definitely not going to be um and anything probably close to what you're experiencing at home um if you're just having regular you know casual, occasional sex with people. Yeah, I think it's, you know, important to just remember that this is a fantasy just as much as anything else that you can access that has been created for entertainment purposes. It's different than reality. I think what's great about porn is that it obviously gives people this outlet for their kinks, which we touched on before. Um, But something that I, uh, maybe it's not great, but I find it super interesting is that studies have actually been done to show that excessive porn viewing can cause for a desire for more porn-like sex in your personal life. And people that have that are often dissatisfied in their relationships because they're just not, they're never going to get that. That it that goes to it goes back to the brain and kind of like that reward pathway just being, you know, over and over again. Um, you know, they watch porn, they, you know, they're releasing dopamine, they're, you know, experiencing pleasure, and then that becomes like kind of like a one way street over time, like the only way to get to that point of pleasure is through the same route so uh, that totally makes sense and and I'm I'm sure that's why they've done studies on it It, I find it I mean I find it really fascinating I think the great thing about you know coming from porn then which is the majority of it is very unrealistic um, and you know male focused and and just you know just creepy some of it um i think that (laughs) as we move into uh you know the the 21st century we kind of see women and um you know gender non-conforming and trans people being at the forefront of some of the most popular um porn you know cam channels and only fan sites and we have these people that were once you know, they were exploited, exploited by the adult industry as, you know, fetishization, you know, of minorities, um, trans people, they were, they were fetishized rather than just treated like normal people. They're now at the forefront of this movement of young sex workers who have access 
to things like OnlyFans and things like Chatterbait, Campsite, all that, whatever. Um, Campsites, rather. Sorry, please don't sue me. Um, all of these, all of these other websites that you know provide an outlet for young people who do want to perform um, and are, you know, may not have access to a massive studio uh, where they can perform for other people. I think that's a really great thing about porn now is it seems much more free form and less formulaic in being focused on men and men's needs and male watchers. And now kind of is spread amongst everyone. Women can, women watch so much porn and any woman out there who says she doesn't watch porn, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like there's, (laughs) there are so many people I've met in my life that are like, Oh, I've never watched a porn video. And I'm like, okay, mom, like, (laughs) It's, it's okay. I mean, I, I might, I, I might believe them, but you know, I do wonder about like how in touch they are with anything, including their own sexuality. And I do mean that in like a negative way. Yeah, I, I really wonder because it's such an amazing resource. It, it makes me just, it makes me kind of feel a little bit sad um, because I think that if you are a person that you know, feels like you're lacking in that area, you can, you can now take it with a grain of salt, learn a bit more. Um, you can find out more about what you might be into. Um, I think that it, it's just, yeah, there's, there's so many great things about porn now. Um, there were great things then, but you know, lots of bad things. There's still bad things about the porn industry now. Um, but it, I think it's getting better every day and people are being more vocal, vocal about, um, you know, civil rights and the realistic reality of how racist porn has been in the past. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that it's created this amazing outlet and movement for sex workers everywhere to be able to make money um, doing something they love and entertain people and create a fan base. And in some cases, some people can, you know, take something away from that and bring it into their own sex lives. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the rise of things like OnlyFans and stuff and people more being able to do what they really want to do and then just like, you know, seeing if it pans out and generates revenue for them or perhaps it doesn't, but whatever. I do think that uh, for many people who are involved and of course not everyone, because not everyone it's, is it the right choice to be involved in things like this, but for a number of people, it, it does have like a positive impact on like their self-esteem and makes them uh, more confident in their day-to-day life. Definitely. And there's obviously negatives to that too, right? Um, Obviously if you're a member of of a, sorry, excuse me, of a subscription site, you're directly giving someone your money. But if you're, you know, ripping their data and their videos and their information, you're uploading it to these, tube sites, which I won't name any, I'm sure mm-hmm. you know plenty of them. Um, it, takes, <laughs> it takes money away from those sex workers and it actually provides a really damaging environment um, where lots of things can go wrong. One of the most popular tube sites, which I won't say the name of, just so we don't get sued, um, is <laughs> they just removed 9 million videos that were pop- possibly in connection with child abuse videos and sex trafficking victims that were uploaded by unverified users. So 
the, the verification process on those tube sites, you don't know what you're watching. You don't know who's stolen it or where it's come from. I even remember reading this series of tweets that, that from a girl on Twitter who she was pleading that this particular company remove a series of videos that her rapist filmed without her consent when she was oh 16 and uploaded them to the site. And they refused to acknowledge her or even remove the video, which had gained millions of views, by the way, until she threatened legal action. And I think it's just, it, it just says so much. Like, if you're going to watch porn, please, please pay for it. <laughs> you know where it's coming from. It's verified. You won't get in trouble. No one's getting in trouble. The sex worker who is trying to entertain you and that's their livelihood, they receive the benefits of that. Um, and a lot of sites, honestly, they run discounts and it's not very expensive. You can pay for Netflix. You can definitely subscribe to a girl's account, you know? So I think that, um, if you really want to watch ethical porn and you want to have the best time doing so, try and stay off tube sites as best as you can. I know COVID has kind of put some of us into a financial situation that has just destroyed some of our lives but um yeah Yeah. try as hard as you can to support everyone yeah and there still are like free ways to access like ethical porn like there are a lot of people who you know post themselves on like reddit or whatever and clearly that's like free and accessible so oh yeah reddit um i mean tumblr used to be one of those things but you know they've there's kind of this um, movement happening right now to erase sex workers from the internet and pretty much the only place you can go is their websites or Twitter. Um, they're not really welcome in many places anymore, which is incredibly unfortunate and damaging to the community, um, has destroyed a lot of people's careers, um, their, their means of income, etc. I think that Reddit's great because people can just like kind of voyeur a little bit, which is another kink that's yeah. safe and you're in a safe environment, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, there's definitely options for free entertainment out there, like with everything. Now we have discussed a lot and it's been super informative. Is there anything else specifically about the porn or sex industry that we haven't hit on that you would like to talk about more? Honestly, we've covered a lot. I, um, if you're really into porn, if you're someone like me who's just like a walking porn encyclopedia and <laughs> you like, you love all different types of porn, you don't have a specific thing you're into, you go through phases, whatever. Um, if conventions ever come back, I highly recommend going to AVN. I enjoy working it every single year. This is the first year in like five or six years that I have not worked a sex convention and it is actually devastating to me but obviously the safety of everyone is more important so avn moved online this year and everything has kind of been canceled but yeah if in the future we're ever allowed to have conventions again i highly recommend going there are tons of small businesses um and vendors that work them that um you know, they offer classes, they are resources, you can watch demonstrations, like rope demonstrations or impact demonstrations. Um, You can purchase toys and learn about things you may not have known about from them. There are workshops. Um, It's definitely, it's so fun. Anyone who's into porn, anyone who's not into porn, if you're feeling a little bit 
uh, like you want to adventure into that side of things a little bit, I highly recommend it. So apparently you're going to catch, thank you for this console, at the next AVN. <laughs> oh my Whenever God. it comes back. <laughs> we can absolutely set up a table. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So one thing I wanted to ask you, since this is an area of expertise, is I have a lot of friends who come to me and maybe they've been in a relationship for a while, like a, you know, your basic heterosexual relationship. And they are wondering about like, what sex toys they could use to spice up their sex life. So do you have any advice for us? I have so much advice, it's not funny. (laughs) Um, I'm a person who's tried lots of things. I don't want to say almost everything because there's so much out there. Um, Things that I I can't even, like, fathom. Um, But I can recommend... (laughs) There's so much. It's actually ridiculous. I can recommend a few different toys um, and... I'll name a few of my favorite brands, and if anyone has any more questions, they can absolutely message you, and you can field those right in my direction. I am happy to talk to every one of your listeners about sex toys all day. It is my favorite thing. This is great. Uh, We are lucky. I'm very excited about sex toys being the first sponsor of Thank You for This Consult after this episode. (laughs) Hey, whatever. (laughs) So, um, for... For anyone, this is for anyone, um, prostate havers, clitoris havers, anus havers, anyone, the Hitachi wand is by far, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many other people out there, millions, is the best wand slash vibrator slash clitoral stimulator slash prostate stimulator, whatever. There are attachments that you can insert. Um, there's so, there's so many things you can do with a Hitachi wand. Um, it is only, I wouldn't use it if I, I'm assuming most of your, most of the listeners are us based, right? Yeah. About 85%. I think of our listeners. Are okay. From America. If you are overseas, I would not use this overseas. Um, it is, configured specifically for U.S. voltages, um, unless you have the (laughs) wireless one, which makes things so much more fun, um, you know, because you can just, if if you've, I'm sure you've watched, someone out there has watched a kink video where they've tied a girl up and they've got a, you know, a cordless wand, which is so much less cumbersome than a corded one. if Hitachi wands are not available wherever you are, any, honestly, it's body wands are just great. <laughs> Good. Yes, Hitachi wands. Oh, but you have to be really careful on Amazon. Um, and I will touch on that in some of the later toys that I'm going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> you have to be careful on Amazon because speaking from personal experience, when I was a young poor college student i did purchase a fake hitachi wand online and it exploded (laughs) oh my god it was the worst situation i've ever been like the head just pop like i no it like it like melted and smoked and sparked i was i've never (laughs) bought anything other than hitachi since 
um, <clears throat> can absolutely say do not buy from eBay or Amazon unless it's a verified seller. Um, or like read okay. the reviews and please, <laughs> please make sure they're not paid robotic <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Sure. But I will I will say I didn't buy like a it wasn't advertised as like a Hitachi wand. It was like body wand and everything was spelled wrong. But I was like, I don't care. It's fifteen dollars, you know. So, yeah, it exploded. Please don't be me at 21. I was very tall. We are so glad that your genitals survived that encounter. Oh, I'm glad we can even learn like, from your genitals. <laughs> I didn't even get it near me. I turned it on and it just like exploded. Oh my god. But imagine like I mean just things could have gone a slightly differently and you could uh not be the person you are today. It could have been no, a different could, topic it, entirely. It could have been very wrong and detrimental for me. Um so please don't buy anything other than like respected well-tested brands. Um can't stress that enough especially for anything electrical. Um, you want something that has been tested to the proper standard in your country, if you're in the U.S. or if you're wherever else, um, make sure it, it works with your voltage there. Um, and it's not like it's not something where they send you an adapter and you plug it into the wall and it explodes. So moving on from that, um, <laughs> if you're into something a bit more intense, I um, have invested in something called the Satisfier Pro 2, which is less of like a surface stimulation type thing. This is specifically, um, I want to, sorry, I want to highlight this for a second. This is specifically for someone with a clitoris. Um, so if you don't have a clitoris, this toy is not for you. Go back to the Hitachi wand. Um, if you're wondering how you use it, if you have a penis, place it under your balls, between your asshole and your balls best spot for it <laughs> or right on top whatever like whatever try try a bunch of different things but yeah vibrators are for everyone but the satisfier 2 is specifically for the clitoris um it has more of a suctiony vibe to it uh oh, i've if, seen those online with like, it anyone, has like a little tongue thing yeah it's got like a have you ever seen those those instagram ads for that thing yes, that sucks that, the stuff out of your pores yep Yes. yes it looks yes it yes. looks like that <laughs> but um oh my god this I, one's dressed like a penguin <laughs> do you see it's got a little bow tie there so so there are a bunch of knockoff brands um the satisfier pro 2 is what i have used and reviewed um and i will say that it is not for the weak of heart um, I've always been someone that just likes a wand or a vibrator. Um, and I would say that the satisfier kicks it up on like 10 notches. So if you um, have low sensitivity or if you're someone that likes to be severely overstimulated or even somewhere in between, it's got a number of different settings. Um, I would say try it out. It does take a few tries to kind of get it right because well, at least for me, it did. Um, the suction was kind of just a new thing for me. So if you are not familiar with suction toys, it will take a few times. Don't despair. Um, it's, it's a great toy if you're into that. If you're not into something that intense, another vibrator that I can recommend that I take everywhere when I travel um, is the Mimic 2 by Clandestine Toys. 
Um, I had the Mimic 1, which I tested and reviewed for a friend who actually worked for Clandestine Toys. Um, and I loved that. So when the two came out, naturally, um, she threw another one my way. And I loved it a lot. It's much more intense than the first one. Um, that is a toy that can be used by anyone. I actually, the Mimic 2, I still have. Um, my friend recently got gender-affirming surgery. So she has a brand-new clitoris. Hey. Um, and I gave her... I gave her my Mimic 1, and she said she loves it. So it's a little less intense than the Mimic 2. So if you are, if you can still find the Mimic 1 and you like something with lower intensity, get that. It's got a bunch of different vibrating speeds. It's got a bunch of different vibrating patterns, um, whatever you want to do. Moving on from vibrators, butt plugs are my number two. There are so many different kinds. Um, this is... It's an endless topic. Um, there's silicone, there's glass, there's ceramic, there's steel, there's it just goes on forever. They're in all different shapes and sizes. They're in all different colors and configurations and materials. Personally, I prefer stainless steel ones because they're super easy to clean. You can just boil them um, and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, obviously, they're non-porous, so they are body safe um, and they have a really nice weight to them. My personal favorite brand is Enjoy Toys. Um, I actually have a few of their, they have, I think they have three different size butt plugs. I have two of them and they have a bunch of other toys that are really great stainless steel dildos. They're just amazing. So Enjoy Toys, it's E-N-G, or sorry, E-N-J-O-I Toys. Oh no, sorry, N-J-O-Y Toys, I think. Oh my God, yes. N-J-O-Y toys. Um, yeah, that's a, my my um, notes have auto-corrected here. <laughs> so uh, other than that, the worst. moving on, dildos, any kind is good. Um, just make sure they are body-safe silicone, especially if you are inserting them into your vagina or anus, um, it, your mouth too. I mean, I don't, I don't know... Yeah, I, I don't see many ones that aren't body safe silicone anymore. But again, do not buy from Amazon or eBay or whatever. Go to a proper toy store or a toy brand's website. Make sure the toy is safe for use in your vagina, asshole, mouth, whatever. Um, my personal favorite brand, which is um, they actually create fantasy dildos, which are so fun. They're shaped like dragon tails and like so many other different things. Um, but they're called Bad That's Dragon cool. Toys. They're so cool. They come in different colors. They have glitter. Um, they're body safe. I have like six of them. I've spent so much money on their dildos. They're so great. What they, are they called again? It's Bad Dragon Toys. Um, they okay. are based in, I want to say Austin, Texas. Can't confirm. Somewhere in the South. Um, but yeah, they will personalize the toy. You can get color gradients. You can get glow in the dark. You can get different How thicknesses. Cute. You can get different soft, like like um, like firmnesses, firmness or whatever. Yeah. It, it goes on forever. Um, and then they have like signature toys. They sometimes run contests to win things. They've got cool merch. They've got little plushies. Whatever you want. I'm a bad <laughs> dragon girl. Like I, they they know me at that booth at AVN. I see them every year. <laughs> 
But yeah, I can absolutely recommend Bad Dragon Toys if you're not. They've got the, the textures, honestly, and the shapes are so unique. Um, and they can hit different spots if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're neither. Um, anyone can enjoy the toys um, no matter what. They're just, the possibilities are literally seemingly en- endless. Um, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. What, what makes something body unsafe? Because I know you mentioned uh, something that's porous would be like not, you know, not body safe, but just, you know, if it doesn't say it on the, on the label or on the reviews, like what, what can we look out for to make sure that something is safe? So the certain toys that are not body safe might be made with specific materials. Mostly the porous thing is what you want to watch out for because they never really get clean ever. Um, So you can have things happen like yeast infections if you have a vagina or, um, you know, pelvic inflammatory disease. Um, All all sorts of other things can result from from non-body safe silicone um, poisoning as well. Um, If you're buying from like a third party, you know, weird brand out of somewhere in East Asia, or I don't even know, like you, you, people on people can make these at home in their houses and sell them on Amazon and market them as body safe. That is why I say, do not, do not buy from Amazon, unless it's the manufacturer. And that manufacturer is accredited. Um, go into go into a toy store I've known so many amazing women and men and people that work in erotic toys and their livelihood is based around making sure that you're safe and happy and you orgasm. So if you want to talk to someone about what's right for you, go into those stores. They meet millions of people yearly and they, you know, the toys they base they have in their stores are based off market research. So it's what mostly satisfies people. Things like bad dragon, what I was talking about before, they're not in stores because they're more of like a specialty market. Um, that's something that if you're, if you're looking to find a dragon tail dildo or, uh, you know, a dragon egg shaped butt plug, <laughs> you definitely like, that's a very specific niche market. <laughs> so probably wouldn't do very well in stores um, as far as sales and KPIs go. But yeah, I would definitely say if you are questioning what's safe for you, Big brands, like they've been tested and they're, they're accredited. So um, absolutely go to a store if you have any questions. Do not rely on Amazon or eBay. Definitely not eBay. Maybe sometimes Amazon, but definitely not eBay. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up, which I'm sure some of the penis haver listeners probably have been interested in but are too scared to try, are cock rings which are amazing. Um, For anyone with a penis who is listening that doesn't know what a cock ring is, it's kind of like a circle that's stretchy that can go around the base of your penis and it traps blood to keep an erect penis erect for longer, which, you know, can result in a firmer and longer lasting erection, obviously. Um, Sounds great. The cool thing about (laughs) cock rings is they've actually been shown to uh, improve stamina in some men. 
So if you're a person that has some issues coming too early, it may help you. Now, it's not like 100% proven to do that. In some cases, it can. In some cases, it can't. But it can help maintain an erection for people with erectile dysfunction. Um, you can also get ones that vibrate, which can give an entirely different sensation to your partner or yourself. Um, and they can also increase the sensitivity in your penis by keeping all the blood in one place. So definitely a great thing for any penis havers out there or, you know, anyone else who wants to recommend that to their penis haver partner. Um, the, I mean, it sounds so good. I'm like, why don't I have a penis? Because now I want to try this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that there are so many other options in this list of things <laughs> that you'll survive without the cock ring. Anna. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the last the la- Do they oh, have yeah, to ahead. be sized? Like, are there, like, because, I, I, of course, like, the, you know, doctor in me is like, wait a second, like... You know, could it ever? Yes, you, you definitely don't want to. Yeah, you definitely don't want to cut off circulation to an extremity ever. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not a thing you want to do. Um, so make sure you're getting one that's flexible but firm. You don't. It's not like you know, double wrapping with a rubber band. You don't want to do anything like that. If you start to turn purple, you have gone too far. <laughs> Right, and I guess you shouldn't hurt or you shouldn't lose feeling. No, no, no. No, it shouldn't hurt. You shouldn't lose feeling. There are some that can actually, they go around your penis and your balls, your testicles too, if you're into that. There are other things, but they come in different sizes. So what I would say is measure the circumference of your penis or your balls, whatever you have, um, and make sure that what you're buying is compatible with your size. I would say measure when you're erect, obviously, because a flaccid penis is not going to give you an accurate reading of what size you are. Um, but yeah, they come in all different sizes, um, different colors. Yeah, they're cool. The last thing that I want to talk about is not so much a toy, um, but something really important that everyone should get into, whether they're using toys or just having sex. Um, you want to look at a good lubricant and you want to look at a good toy cleaner if you are using toys. Um, The thing about lubricants that a lot of people might find confusing is that there are like 800 different ones, right? So there's water-based lubricants, there's silicone-based lubricants. Um, So I'll just touch a little bit on what they are, what they do, who they benefit and who they don't benefit. Um, So water-based lubricants, they come in two different varieties, which one contains, usually usually they come in two different varieties. One would contain glycerin, which would make it sweet tasting, and one is without glycerin. Um, Both types are cost-effective, they're easy to find, and they are safe to use with condoms, and they don't stain sheets or anything, usually. Um, glycerin-free products are less likely to cause vaginal irritation. So if you are a person with a vagina, your pH balance is very important. Please make sure to test a product um, before, obviously, going full in. You can use that on your skin um, and see if you have an allergic reaction to it, obviously, as with any type of cream or anything. 
Um, the cons with these types of things are that they do, they, yeah, they, they tend to cause yeast infections. <laughs> so um, definitely make sure that you are, are safe there. Um, and they get a little bit sticky, the water-based ones. So definitely not something for everyone. Um, there's silicone-based lubricant, which is odorless and tasteless, unlike the water-based ones. Um, they last the longest. They don't need to be reapplied as often. They're safe to use with latex condoms, and they are actually safe to use in the shower as well. They won't wash off, which is pretty cool. Um, usually they're hypoallergenic, which is good too. Um, but some of the pros there might also be the cons. Um, it, because it lasts longer, it's harder to wash off. Um, you really need to soapy scrub it to remove any type of residue on it. Um, the silicone-based lubricants are also not recommended for silicone sex toys, as it can break them down over time and um, kind of make them gummy and, like, sticky and gross over time. So definitely avoid that on your expensive bad dragon dildos. Um, there's oil-based lubricants. There's natural ones and synthetic ones. Um, when we talk about natural, think, like, coconut oil or butter. <laughs> I'm trying to think of oils. <laughs> Um, but yeah, synthetic ones would be like Vaseline, maybe. Um, you know, they're great for massages. They're safe to eat. The natural-based ones, oh my God, not the synthetic ones. Don't eat Vaseline. Um, <laughs> uh, and the synthetic ones are good for massages and external use, but not really any type of internal use at all. Um, some of the natural-based ones might be safe for your vagina or anus. Again, it's just body dependent. If you're allergic to coconut oil, it's definitely not going to work for you. Yep. Um, something to also note with these is they can cause condom failure. So definitely try to avoid natural and, synthet and synthetic oil-based lubricants. If you're using latex condoms, um, they stain also. They can irritate your vagina, as I touched on, and your anus, um, which can lead to infections just be safe, know your body, test things out before, you know, having a Tinder encounter, basically. Yeah, I, as far as, like, the lube combo, I think for most people, they do find that they like the natural, quote, natural options now that are, like, coconut oil, avocado oil, things like that. But if that is not an option for someone or based upon the other things that were just discussed, it's not the best option as far as, like, the water-based lubes, there is a brand that I just love overall, and it's called Good Clean Love. And so their water-based lube is, like, it's pH balance for people with vaginas, and it's also, like, very hypoallergenic. So that is a good option to consider if that would be, you know, the area you'd be looking in, like, a water-based hypoallergenic lube. Yeah, and there are natural lubricants. There are natural oil-based lubricants. Um, that are on the product that are like that are on the product market that are vegan and organic and eco-friendly. There's so many things out there that you can look for um, if you're, you know, dealing with certain things. If you're a person that you know deals with a lot of dryness, a warming, you know, some um, some vibe, some sorry, excuse me, lubricants have like warming sensations or cooling sensations or whatever, some of those might not be good for your vagina. Um, if you're prone to yeast infections, obviously stay away from the glycerin. If you're trying to conceive, um, you want to look for a lubricant that's fertility friendly. 
if you're using a condom, there's things to avoid. If you're using a sex toy, there's things to avoid. So definitely make sure that whatever type of sex or sexual play you're about to engage in, you're using the right lubricant for that activity. Can I actually say that I learned about this in high school? Like I specifically had like a little flashback to like senior year health class. I can't remember what the combination of lube and condom, you just said it, but they were like, don't use this lube with, with a condom ever. <laughs> oh my God. I, I'm a little jealous of your high school experience. <laughs> Yeah, it literally, it just hit me. I'm like, I knew this. And I remember where I, I, I remember I learned it in health class, but I think it was based around not our pleasure or our, you know, learning about sex, but more because it will decrease the efficacy of the condom and lead to pregnancy. Yes. Like that was the and main point. Yeah. A scare tactic. Increase that likelihood uh, of pregnancy, baby. All I remember from my sex ed in high school was asking the teacher if AIDS came from monkeys. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But to be fair, like I had just come from a Christian school. So, you know, I was just wondering things and trying to get some answers. Oh, I thought you were out and everything. I thought you were asking this at your Christian school, and then I was going to be like, wait, but. (laughs) No, I mean, there it was like, you know, abstinence unless you want to immediately get pregnant and die, which, you know, is the joke from Mean Girls, but it's like reality at those schools. But yes, then I went to public school my senior year and sauntered into my health class and asked about if AIDS came from monkeys. (laughs) Amazing. I. love that so much um and then obviously if you're using toys get a good toy cleaner just go into a sex shop find whatever you know usually they have really good toy cleaners again if you're a vagina haver your ph balance is really important please make sure that the toy um agree the toy cleaner agrees with you um wash it off wash off your toys after you wash them with the toy cleaner and dry them completely and just i usually just let them sit if they're if it's like a dildo, like a silicone dildo, I just let it air dry um, on like a really clean paper towel. Don't dry things with like fabric towels because the fibers can get stuck to it. Obviously, you don't want to put that in your body. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just try to keep everything really clean and sterile um, and have as much fun as you can. Toys are really fun. They enhance lots of different things. And I can't stress enough how much fun they are it's so important to just try things (laughs) out they're called toys Um, they're toys for a reason they're fun Mm -hmm. um yeah just try things out you'll never know what you like until you try I know some of them are expensive um but yeah if you go into some of the stores they do have some cheaper options if you're looking to explore well this was so enlightening and great yeah, this, I think this is one of my favorite episodes. This is so much fun. Oh, my God. I feel so honored that I covered everything properly. <laughs> I tried to be as thorough yes. as I could be. Um, and obviously, if any of your listeners have any questions about any of this and you guys don't feel like you want to answer them or don't want to research to answer them, you can absolutely direct people in my you know, general vicinity, and I'm happy to talk to your listeners if they have any questions for me. Yes. 
Oh yeah, in the Discord. Yeah, well, I'm actually, in, yeah, I'm in the Discord. Um, not under my name Day, but I'm in the Discord as I think my like gamer tag, like Xbox. Yeah, whatever. So, so we'll make a Discord for this episode, like we make a Discord for every episode. If you want in on the Discord and you don't have access to it, message, you know, thank you for this console on Instagram, and I'll give you the Discord link. So any questions, you know, could be presented in there or like Day will introduce herself on that thread or I'll tag her or something. So you could all also, if you don't want to publicly post your question, like in the episode thread, there's an option to, you know, private message someone on there as well. You can absolutely private message me. I'm happy to field all your questions, answer anything. If there's something you want me to elaborate on or if you want to know what my favorite toy cleaner is or which Bad Dragon toy I'm using today, absolutely (laughs) message me. Happy to have a chat. (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, this is so great. I think this is our uh, best episode on the topic yet, and I'm happy about that because... For now, this will be the conclusion of our sex series. This is so the climax. Anyways, day, the climax yes. of the sex series. Oh yeah, my thank god! You for this, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for this consult. Thank you for our climax.